0: Dementia in Practice is recorded and produced in multiple locations. We acknowledge the traditional custodians of the various lands on which we meet. We pay our respect to Elders past, present and emerging and celebrate the diversity of Aboriginal peoples, their ongoing cultures and connections to the lands and waters of Australia.
1: The one thing I want to say is that, you know, we don't want to put people off and think, oh, this is all too hard. And, you know, oh, here we go again, GPs are perfectly placed to do this, that, and the other. But what we do know is that dementia is the leading cause of death for women in Australia. What we do know is that dementia is the leading cause of disability for people over the age of 65. So this is a significant issue.
2: Hi everyone, it's Hilton Coppy here and welcome back to Dementia in Practice. If this is your first time listening, Dementia in Practice is a podcast that's made by GPs, for GPs and for other health professionals looking to learn more about dementia. As always, Dr. Marita Long and Steph Daly from Dementia Training Australia are with me once again. Today, we're going to be talking about this concept of a dementia-friendly practice. And I guess we're really thinking about dementia-friendly general practice. Marita, I guess a good place to begin would be to have a conversation about what do we actually mean about a dementia-friendly practice when we're talking about general practice?
1: Yeah, look, it's interesting. I guess it's going to mean something different to, to everyone, And I guess for me, it's about raising the recognition of being inclusive for people with dementia. I mean, we try so hard in general practice to make our practices friendly and welcoming to everyone. But we also know that there are particular groups that are more vulnerable where there may be some barriers to accessing services. And we certainly know from research that dementia is one of those conditions that can make it really difficult for people to access um, services. So when I started thinking about this, you know, quite a few years ago now, and I was working in a large practice in Hobart, or just out of Hobart. We talked as a as a practice about what we might do, how we might be able to make the practice more friendly, understanding that really the reception staff are uh, critical. They're the, the first point of contact and they're often the people who notice some changes but may not have the skills or understanding to recognise what those changes are or, or who needs to know about. And the classic example is people who are not turning up for their appointments or coming late or not being able to get their Medicare card out or their, their credit card out to do payments or transactions. So, we set about by thinking, okay, what could we do? And we actually invited Professor Fran McInerney from Wicking to come out and talk to us as a practice about what might be the first steps to to raising this concept of making our practice more dementia friendly. And we all decided after some lengthy discussion that, that really just educating our staff was the first port of call. So we then um, went about thinking, how could we do that? And we we directed all the staff to the Understanding Dementia MOOC that's that's run by Wicking. And there was no pressure that the admin staff and nursing staff were supported with time so they could use some work time to do it. And for the, for the doctors, it was up to them to do it in their own time. And, and then as people did the MOOC, they sort of got a little gold star. And at the Christmas party every year, we awarded people with an actual physical gold star for their Christmas tree, which was a really nice way. And people actually in the end said, oh, I can't wait for the Christmas party because I'm going to get my gold star for the Christmas tree. So that was what we did. It was really just about raising the bar, I guess, and getting people on board to understanding that this is an issue, that it is difficult for for people to access services. And how can we make that a bit easier?
2: So, Marita, it sounds like one of the things that you did in your practice just out of Hobart was uh, raising awareness of dementia and offering some specific opportunities for your staff within the practice to gain better understanding of dementia. Steph, I know you've been thinking about this a lot and speaking with people in your communities about the sort of thing that might help uh, people living with dementia to be able to access GP practice more easily and more safely. Can you tell us a little bit about your experiences?
0: Yes, yeah, so the first time I did something in relation to dementia friendly practices was back in the UK. And um, in the UK, general practice has um, once a month, I think we have a, a practice learning time where we have a full afternoon as a whole practice to do some um, joined up thinking and learning together. And so one of those sessions, I I did a whole session on dementia. And um, the way that I ran that session was that, as Marita said, it's about raising awareness across the whole team. So we we were able to have our reception staff, our nurses, pharmacists, and doctors all together, and we split up into small groups. And then we were, I allocated everyone a task for each group. So one group was um talking about how we might recognize people who have dementia or have problems with them, their memory and thinking when they come into the practice. So, as Marita was saying, you know, people who might forget their medications or, or miss appointments. So, I got everybody to think together what their role as an individual might be. So, how how would the nurse pick it up? How would reception pick it up? And then, what would you do with that information? And then, another group, their job was to start at the entrance to the practice and walk through the practice as if they had dementia. And in order for them to understand what that was like before they did that they watched a short video of um on youtube about all the different things that happen to somebody who's living with dementia when they come into a busy practice or into a busy environment basically and then i and i got everyone to walk through the building and you know what's the signage like is it easy to identify where the reception is where the toilet is where you need to go for your appointment so that you could understand where there might be changes that you want to make within your practice. And after we'd sat down and and each had a go at each of these things, we talked about some next steps that we might take. I think it really worked because there were a lot of uh, there were a lot of people with their own misbeliefs or misconceptions about what it's like to live with dementia within the practice, doctors and nurses and receptionists, but there were also a lot of people who had real personal experience of perhaps, um, you know, a parent who who was living with dementia. And we shared some really interesting, you know, personal feelings about that and were able to challenge some of those misconceptions. And I, I, it really worked well, I think, to, to raise that awareness about the stigma that people experience. So that was my first, that was the first time I did anything. And I've since done couple of other things in Australia
2: as well. Before you go on, Steph, if I can just jump in there. So part of that was around raising awareness. What were some tangible changes that you made within the practice as a result of what sounds like a a quite a good quality improvement activity that you designed.
0: We made sure that everybody who had already got a diagnosis of dementia, that their notes were up to date so that we had their carers contact details or we had their next of kin contact details on the record. Because often that's another issue, you know, particularly people who are living in maybe residential facilities or even on their own. And we don't know who their next of kin is, we can contact them. Or if they had missed an appointment, who is the person we should contact? So we made sure that our um, you know, data was up to date, I suppose. We also talked about, this is a little bit controversial, there's no um, recommendation to do mass screening, but I felt very strongly that there was more that we could do to raise the conversation about dementia. And so we decided that for all of our chronic disease um, patients. So anybody who had cardiovascular disease or a previous stroke or something, they, they would come in like much like you do here, they come in from a, a GP assessment plan with the nurse and then see the doctor. But that we made it routine that every one of those appointments, the nurse would ask whether the person had any concerns about their memory or thinking or whether anyone else had raised any concerns about it. And it was just an open question, you know, is this something you're concerned about? Yeah or no. And if they said yes, then it was flagged on their chronic disease management plan for an extra conversation with the GP and the GP um, was responsible for bringing that up and discussing whether or not they wanted to do anything further about it. And that was designed to, again, reduce the stigma because if you ask everybody the same question and and you frame it as such, then people don't feel like they're
2: being um,
0: highlighted as the one with the problem.
2: So, sort of normalizing the asking about it.
0: yeah, and 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 then the opportunity for something to be done with that that concern, if it was raised and and it was just, yeah, annually, it wasn't done every time they came in. It was just once a year.
2: Yeah, so I just as you were talking, Steph, um, and you may not have an answer for this, but I, I was just thinking about issues of confidentiality with regard to contacting next of kin for missed appointments or those sort of things. How did you manage that or how do you manage that? If you've got the, the next of kin details in the person's file and someone doesn't turn up, how's the confidentiality managed?
0: Yeah, so we would have it written down whether or not consent was already given. So it depends whether or not the person was able to give consent in the first place and whether that was already agreed upon but if they were able to consent to their family member being contacted and I guess it would be we would also have advanced care directives so that you have substitute decision makers as well so um, if there was that formal documentation
2: But yes, you're right. Otherwise, it would be quite difficult. So, Marita, I know you've recently moved to a newer practice in Victoria and you've taken some steps within that practice to help identify people who are living with dementia. Can you tell us a little bit about what you've done in that regard?
1: Yeah, so this is a, um, you know, always a slowly, slowly Process. Um, So again, we looked at the staff in my actual sort of locale. So I work for a big organization that has over six general practices and does quite a lot of aged care. And so in our one little uh, clinic, we again said about everyone doing the understanding. uh, And this time we added on the preventing dementia MOOC. So they have two MOOCs. So the preventing one is is more an important one, I guess, for us as um, GPs to be doing. So that was our first thing. And then I also have spoken to our organization to say, look, you know, this is something we really need to be um, addressing as as a general practice. We've got a lot of patients across our books, and when you've got a lot of patients you know, across an organization like this, you can actually make a really big difference. And, you know, we think about things like getting all everyone's HBA1Cs to target, for example, that can have a big, you know, population impact actually when you've got loads of patients enrolled across a practice. So it was, I guess, using that kind of idea and thinking, well, how could we better meet the needs of our patients who are living with dementia? And I thought again, the first way to make people, I guess, wake up is to to have a look and see how many patients we actually have with a diagnosis of dementia. So we set about doing an audit across all the patients over the age of 65 to see what our diagnostic rates were like. And we put in terms like dementia, uh, memory impairment, cognitive impairment, memory change, all the terms that we could come up with within our software to just see how many patients that we had over 65 with a formal diagnosis or a loose diagnosis even. And interestingly, we found out of 10,000 patients over the age of 65, we only had 200 people with any kind of formal recognition of, of a memory change. And really, we would be expecting there to be in the order of 1,000 so, the first step that we've made is to just sort of say, okay, everyone needs to wake up. And now we need to go through a process of how we're going to address that. And we're just in that phase now, looking at how we work around um, all of our, our staff to upskill and educate and, and get that recognition that we need to be looking at why. Our diagnostic rates are, are where they're at, and then how we're we going to how we're we going to change things. So this is a little bit of a watch and wait process, but you know we've made a start.
2: And good on you for making a start. Maybe uh, your staff could listen to the entire series of Dementia in Practice podcast as a way of waking them up to having a better understanding about how to assess and recognise people with dementia. Steph, I know you've done a lot of work of the uh, in this regard in your practice or practices in Adelaide. Marita's spoken a little bit about dementia friendly from the point of view of the doctor and recognising people who are living with dementia. I wonder if you can talk a little bit about what you've actually done within your practice to make it friendly for the people who are living with dementia.
0: I think it was, well, it must have been pre-COVID, so 2019, I I took the step to formalising my practice um, here in in Adelaide, GP practice to make it dementia friendly um, with the Association of Dementia Australia and they had a toolkit that you could work through. So I worked through this toolkit and one of the major differences in terms of what I did compared to what I did in England was to obviously involve people living with dementia in the process of making the practice dementia friendly and as part of that um, I organised um a a meeting I sought some volunteers so I emailed out a few people and uh, within the practice to ask if they would like to be part of it and then we we did a consultation process so we had um, a carer and a person living with dementia in fact there weren't that many volunteers but there was a small group about six of us and we sat down and talked as a group about how both the carer and the person living with dementia had experienced the practice and what were the things that they felt could be improved and how they felt, you know, their experience was when they came in into the practice. So right from, you know, what's it like walking into the waiting room? Is there a quiet place to sit? What's the communication like between the practice and, and the person living with dementia and their family? It was really interesting experience, actually. And and one of the things I got from it was we spent about an hour together. And okay, we were talking about the practicalities of things. And, and I learned a little bit from that. But it was so interesting to talk to this group of people. And then they, they were voicing some of their own personal feelings about living with dementia. And then a really lovely thing happened in that the carer from from one couple began sort of talking to the other the other couple uh, and really offering some really good words of advice and support and it was it was just really nice to see a group of people supporting one another
2: sounds like it was an informal support group
0: that's what i mean yeah it was great and i thought this is it was just so touching that you got these people in the room who all have a shared experience and they were able to support each other in just a small way about their feelings and actually it wasn't related to the the practice experience it was just it was just so nice and i and i thought well this is you know this is something that's probably missing
2: i'm going to ask each of you a question without notice cuz as gps we're so good at thinking on our feet We're perhaps a little different to other GPs in that we're quite immersed in the world of dementia and and thinking about dementia. But if you were to give your three top tips for a mainstream general practice, three specific things that are achievable without having to do a huge amount of work that might make their practice Better for people living with dementia, better for the staff, better for carers around dementia. What might be the three doable things that people who are listening to this could go back to their practice and and set up without too much hard work?
1: It is, look, it is always really important to recognise that general practice is not easy. You know, there are so many different groups, different conditions, there's so much we need to know and it's an ever-changing landscape and over the last two years with COVID, it's been just so difficult. So the one thing I want to say is that, you know, we don't want to put people off and think, oh, this is all too hard and, you know, oh, here we go again, GPs are perfectly placed to do this, that and the other. But what we do know is that dementia is the leading cause of death for women in Australia. What we do know is that dementia is the leading cause of disability for people over the age of 65. So this is a significant issue. So anything we can do, is going to help. And I think one of the really easy things to do is to, yeah, do an audit of your notes, have a look and see how many patients you have over the age of 65. I mean, your practice manager or your clinical leaders can do this and see what those diagnostic rates are like. And we know that it should be somewhere within the the realms of, of one in 10 people over the age of 65. And remember, we're not even really touching on early onset. We're sort of just sticking to that that population where we know we're going to be able to to find these. So one's doing, doing an audit. Two, again, doing something like understanding the dementia MOOC. And then I think number three would be to follow through our concept of perhaps introducing that brain health check in the 45 to 49 year age group again just to raising raising the awareness of you know the importance of things that we can do as GPs that might prevent or delay the onset of dementia because as we know at this point in time there is no no curative treatment so that would be my three top tips uh, apart from listening to the podcast of course
2: yeah, yeah, that's right. That goes without saying. So, um, Steph, what about for you? It's always hard going second when someone as smart as Marita gets to go first. Three, are there three or, or a couple of other things that you would think are doable for people?
0: Uh, so one of the things we did in our practice was now part of the induction is that all team members will do the Dementia Australia Dementia Friends process, which is just a short video and a short questionnaire that gets you to think about what dementia is so that's a really I mean that's easy it's just part of induction and and we know that everybody has done it so it doesn't take as long as the the MOOC so if people aren't you know haven't got that time to set aside for that then at least it's it's highlighting the issue then I also think with dementia Australia you can do things like a raising awareness week so in the in the week when uh is in September dementia action week you can apply for some posters And you can do usually some kind of activity in that week. So it might be that that week you you set aside the time when everyone's going to become a dementia friend within your practice. And then you can put up some posters in the waiting room, which also raises the awareness to the patients who are sitting in the waiting room, if they're hopefully back in the waiting room by September. Um, And so that then highlights a bit to the the population in general as well about what dementia is, which is a a good starting point, I think. Um, And I I think the other thing that I would probably do is as well as the brain health check is perhaps just for your local area do a a, a quick search on the sorts of support groups and um, third sector organizations that are around or even you know the the perhaps the more dementia qualified OTs or uh, other allied health professionals that you might look to um, offering for people who have dementia in your practice when you're doing your GP management plan. So look so that your nurses know um, who to plug people into. And I think that Knowing your local support groups is uh, is a really valuable a valuable time to you know set aside to do that because it can be hard to keep up to date with what's going on.
2: They're great ideas and they certainly sound very achievable. Um, a couple that came to mind while we were speaking as well is uh, to set up within the practice that when people miss appointments that the doctor who was supposed to see that person is informed that the appointment has been missed and that there's a specific action taken, uh, which may be to just make a note of it in the file that the, uh, the person didn't come. So that's just a way of looking at people who repeatedly don't show up as a sign of dementia. The other thing that I did in my practice was to make sure that the nurses who do the cognitive screening tests actually know how to do the cognitive screening tests because when I was doing some education for nurses, practice nurses, I I said to them, hands up those of you who do cognitive screening tests and everyone put their hands up and I said, leave your hands up if you've ever been taught how to do it and everyone put their hands down. No one had actually been taught how to do, the cognitive screening tests. So uh, with the mini mental, for example, there's some simple training that's available online just about the scoring and the prompting and how you go about doing that. So just making sure the nurses who are doing the tests that we rely on the results are are doing them correctly and the final thing i'd say is to um for the gps to familiarise themselves with the local health pathway around dementia because that will have links to cognitive screening tests and investigations, and also along the lines of what you were saying, Steph, often local referral points. So health pathways that are rolled out pretty much throughout Australia now, I think to familiarize yourself with the dementia or cognitive impairment health pathways can be helpful.
0: One thing I was just going to say on that as well is also about the other organisations. I mentioned Dementia Australia, but there's also Forward with Dementia, which is a new organisation, an international organisation aimed at supporting health professionals and people living with dementia on learning and, and education. And I was looking at their website the other day and they have on there a list of questions you might want to ask your doctor if you have been recently given a diagnosis. And I thought, oh, I think I'll try and answer these questions in advance if anyone comes to see me. And so having a look at resources like that, which we can put into the show notes so that you can you know, get some easy access to quite useful information um, if you're ever stuck.
2: That's great, Steph. And I think we might wrap up. Steph, you've set up a dementia not just a dementia friendly practice but a dementia specific practice can you tell us a little bit about what you've done recently in that regard
0: yeah so i mean I, I suppose taking it a little step further than just general practice i felt that there might be a need for a practice where you can self-refer you don't need to go and see a gp to get a referral to a geriatrician but you can come and see me and or hopefully one of my colleagues and have an uh, either a memory assessment if that's what you're looking for or also just a review of where you're at um, when you you know received a diagnosis of dementia. So I've had a, a few people come through the clinic and it's set up very much like a, I guess, like a living room. So it's not really a clinic room. It's designed to be, you know, less clinical in a way. So people will come into quite a calm environment. We have some calm music on in the background in, in the waiting room. And um, I spend about an hour Talking to people about their personal situation and and trying to identify ways in which I might be able to help them, you know, navigate what can be a really difficult um, you know, sometimes difficult path. And I've had a real, it's been really, really interesting so far. So people, all different stages, people who've, you know, literally just received a diagnosis and and kind of been told that they have dementia, but you know, we'll see you again in six months in the clinic and aren't really sure what's going to happen in between that time. So wanting to just debrief, I guess, um, to people whose you know G- own GP has perhaps said to them, "Well, I don't really know where to go next. Um, I'm not really sure what else I can do," and so they just wanted a a conversation with somebody had um, some more experience really. And, you know, I'm I'm loving having that time to dedicate to people and also feeling like, you know, that, that that's making a difference for them. So it's a completely new concept and it's still developing, but I'm hopeful that it will eventually become more of a multidisciplinary team so that people can access support through perhaps social workers or OTs as well within the practice. But really setting it within primary care, which I think is the perfect space for this kind of thing.
2: Thanks, Steph. Marita, um, just to wrap up, your thoughts about GP-led dementia care services?
1: Look, I think it's a great initiative that Steph's taken and I certainly can see something like that, you know, happening hopefully more frequently either within general practices so there might be, you know, a designated clinic just like as in some general practices have a women's health clinic for example that you know as we as we move into this next phase where we're going to be seeing an increasing number of people living with dementia because we do have an aging population you know i think it's a it's a it's a perfect scenario to be able to do that. And I I noticed, Steph, which you're probably aware of, that ADNET have popped out some very clear clinical guidelines about how to actually set up a memory clinic. So I think that's a space that we're going to see um, develop. And luckily we've got Steph as one of our pioneering GPs in this space.
2: Indeed. And uh, as always, it's been fantastic speaking with you, Steph and Marita. Uh we might wrap things up there for today so that we can all get back to our dementia friendly practices.
0: In the meantime, if you want more resources, head to our website, dta.com.au forward slash GP, or follow Dementia Training Australia on Facebook or at Dementia Train AU
2: on Twitter. Thanks again for joining us and see you next time.
0: If you're a person living with dementia, or if you're a family member or a carer of someone living with dementia, Dementia Australia has some great resources. The National Dementia Helpline is 1800 100
1: 500, or you can visit dementia.org.au. Dementia in Practice is an initiative of Dementia Training Australia, which is funded by the Australian Government.